Hello and welcome back to Coffee Table. It's been a while, folks, but we are very excited to talk some NBA now that we actually have some games to talk about. I'm Austin Battaglia here with Pat Franken. What's up, everybody? And just to give a little agenda for the day, uh, the play-in games have happened. The playoffs have now started. Uh, We've seen uh, one or two games in each series of round one, and we're just going to give you a little breakdown of our thoughts on the bubble and just kind of the vibe that we're getting from some of these top teams. So starting with that, Pat, what are your thoughts on the bubble overall? Um, I mean, overall, I love it. I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that I was so sports deprived for a long time, but I, I'm confident in saying NBA's like steadily becoming my favorite sport, I think to watch. It's just, I, I can't say enough how like this, the NBA is so far ahead of all the other leagues and just how they manage their league. Like the players are supporting the league and feel supported by the commissioner. Like that doesn't happen in the NFL or MLB or NHL. Like exactly. And that's such a cool like draw to it. And I think helps why this was, or helped make this like kind of an easy transition. I'm sure it hasn't been super easy for the players, you know, being essentially on an, in a bubble forever, mm-hmm. but I I'm loving it. And I know it's easier to the, than some of the other sports since it's playoffs, they could right. control more, but I am a huge fan. I would say my biggest drawback right now is the huge babies that keep appearing on the fan section <laughs> kind of freaking me out. The babies are I- the same size as the people sitting next to them. It's I keep freaking me out a little bit. I keep telling people when it started, I was like, I don't know how I feel about the virtual fan, like the Zoom fans, because everyone else has been like 100%. This is incredible. I, or at least that I've talked to, when I first saw it, I was like, first of all, I can't imagine the person that has to like filter these, the amount of inappropriate <laughs> stuff that people are trying to get on national television. Can you imagine? There has to be a guy working at ESPN or TNT. Like, oh, that guy pulled his penis out. Let's uh, let's oh, let's make sure that guy doesn't get on live television. I just think it's going to be like chat roulette every time. That was that is hilarious. <laughs> that has not ever crossed my mind, dude. I I kind of have the understanding that people are paying for this so that wouldn't happen. <laughs> But I like your idea way better. Oh no, no, no! It's not my idea. It was my my thought of. I can't imagine <laughs> if somebody's sitting going through all those. Um, but outside of that, yes, I, I think this bubble experience has been. I mean, they they could have easily just said the season's canceled, and it would have been that. But mm-hmm. I, I've been so impressed with the fact that. And the fact that the NBA is so progressive, I think that's what led to so many players buying into going into the bubble um, and just their competitiveness. But I, to be honest, like the play, it's been like, it was a little sloppy, but overall it looks like NBA basketball. It's now that the playoffs are, have started, you see the intensity has gone up. I, I haven't really seen like a big drop off in play at all. Yeah. I mean, I think it's just been little things, especially that first week where people looked kind of out of sync, but Mm -hmm. um, overall people are still killing it. And I think it's been a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, no, I, it, it definitely, I've always been the, I like college basketball better than NBA. And I think I'm finally, I'm, I'm turning that. Turning a new leaf. Yep. And it it also helps that the Bucks are good. I think if the Bucks were not in this bubble, I might still be like, oh well, college basketball is still better. Can't wait for that season. But yeah, it's but I, I also college basketball. Even this past season, there there just isn't enough big names, and it's there's something not right with it. I I don't know. I just don't know enough about it anymore. 
Yeah, that's fair. I think honestly, I I'm kind of leaning more just all NBA at this point, just given the more you watch it, I feel like the more you appreciate how good every single player is. Like, yeah, I used to think it was like, Oh man, they're all just shooting. This is so stupid. And then the more you watch, it's like, cause they're draining these shots with guys' <laughs> hands in their face. Like these guys are really good at what they're doing. It, and that's such a simple thing. Obviously they're professional athletes, but uh, no, it, it's insane. And, and I think also what's playing into that is even these play the play in games, they seem to matter a lot. And so that whole aspect of when you're watching December and January NBA basketball and it's okay, this team is, you know, 12 and eight and there's still 60 games left that has way less of a, like, I'm not going to watch those games even now that I'm on the NBA bandwagon. Yeah. Um, So I, I do think this is something to consider of like, is this, and we'll see going into 2021, if they condense the season at all and how that plays into it. Um, I think this whole bubble is open, like a bunch of learning experiences, such as like the play in game for the eight seed. I think that's something that let's keep that. Even when we go back to normal NBA schedules, I absolutely loved being able to like, like the Suns still having a chance. That was an incredible, like, yeah. I mean, it made all these, like like you said, it made all these games worth watching. It wasn't just like, oh, all these seeds are locked up. It's like, no, some of these teams that are, like, had a chance to get themselves into the playoffs, which is huge because you don't know what's going to happen once you get in there. So just exactly. with that much on the line, those types of games are always going to be awesome. Yeah. And uh, so let's jump into some of these teams that we've been we've been watching, starting with our team, the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, so – Currently, the Bucks are behind one game to the Magic in the first round, which, according to anyone that would have asked, the Magic should not have won any games in this series. Um, should we be worried, first of all, about the Bucks? Uh, I'm really all over the place on this. I'm going to say no. I'm going to stand by what I think I texted you this yesterday. I'm waiting to see how game two looks. Cause I think there's a chance the bubble, there was a lot wrong with the way we looked in those eight games. But a part of me was like, we have this locked up. We were missing guys at the beginning. I'm sure on some level, it's like, we just weren't fully trying because there was nothing to play for. Mm -hmm. And then that first game, maybe they came in a little too, just like, you know, classic, like, Oh, we're going to roll them. We can just kind of do whatever we want to do. And then this team came out fighting and kind of punched them in the nose. And I think that was a wake-up call to where game two is going to really show, do they change something? Do they come out a little more aggressive? Um, and so I'm hoping, and you pointed this out, but the two things that I saw from that specific game that were crazy was we missed 50% of our free throws and all those turnovers and the points off turnovers. It, I mean, it, And it's been all eight games before the playoffs that – the turnovers have just been killing the Bucks. It's and and it it stops it like stops any momentum all the time. It's just sometimes we look really bad on the offensive side. It, and like we were talking about earlier, just texting. It was now that Giannis is that MVP, possible back to back MVP. I feel like he thinks he has to bring the ball up the court every time, and it's kind of ruining that rhythm. I know inside the NBA and. <clears throat> some of these other podcasts I've listened to have said they're playing like it reminds me of the thunder back when you have Durant and Westbrook and it just turns into a bunch of one-on-ones and there's not really any movement on the offensive side of the ball. Um, Yeah. And some of the teams that we're going to talk about later, like specifically the Blazers, the couple I've seen the amount of cutting and passing and I get our teams built differently, but I cannot like, I'm like, wow, this is what it should look like. Like people should always be moving. And in that wizard or in the magic game, like two of my favorite possessions to watch were just like Giannis or Middleton brought it up, gave it to Giannis who started backing somebody down and then Jan or Middleton would wrap around him and he just handed off. And that set up either Middleton pulling up, driving to the basket or Giannis spinning off and going the other way for like a wide open dunk. And it happened that way, like two or three times in a row. I don't know why they're not working together more. I, it, doing stuff like that makes the defense if you make them make a decision like because there's so much 
exactly. eventually they're going to make a wrong decision and you exploit it, especially when you have Giannis where any decision could lead to an opportunity for Giannis. So I, I'm all in agreement there. And I, I, I would 100% agree that this game two is really going to say, are the Bucks really ready to be a contender? Because to me, it just really rubs me the wrong way that, you know, we lost last year losing four games in a row to the Raptors. Now we've lost a fifth straight playoff game. Like they have to take some ownership on that because I, and I, I don't want to overreact to one game. You know, the magic beat the Raptors in game one last year, and then the Raptors swept them and won the finals. So I don't want to overreact to it, but it does. I, I just don't like that mentality of like being cocky. Yeah. And I think it would be, totally different if we crushed these last eight games in the bubble right. and then um, we lose this first one. Cause it's like, Oh, okay. That happens. The problem is we didn't look very good. And then we still don't look very good. <laughs> and it's like something we hopefully, I don't know. We come out firing in the next game. Yep. And, and part of, or I guess one big thing that I still, or I have two things that I think the bucks need to change. First of all, we're still playing 10 guys and I, I understand we have a great bench, like one of the best depth teams in the league. And maybe we're still playing so much of our bench because we think we can just beat the magic. But in my mind, playoffs means you cut down how many guys you're playing. Let's keep Giannis and Middleton in as much as possible. I think we just need to start getting in that mentality Maybe maybe Coach Bud doesn't want to wear him down throughout the whole playoffs, but you can't think like that because we got to right, win now. Yeah, it's not a given that we can beat the Magic as we've now seen. So yeah. that that's my first point: is let's cut down the rotation, or maybe like just not play Divincenzo anymore. I can't stand watching him turn the ball over. He'll make an incredible play and then three bonehead plays, and it's, that's not that's not worth I, it for me. I cannot. Just I can't get over. There's these. There were a few plays in that game one where we were getting it to, like we just inched to single digits, and it's like, okay, we're down by nine. Let's keep this moment going. Like we just chiseled it down a little bit. And Divincenzo, all of a sudden he's sprinting in. There's two guys wide open on three, and he's I'm sure sees them and it's just like, no, I'm gonna try making this layup with three people around me. And obviously that doesn't work out for his solid zero points through three quarters. It's like, dude, at this point, start passing. I don't know. It's not working today. Yep. Yeah. So my first thing is let's cut down on the rotation minutes. Second thing is I don't understand why we keep leaving these three-point shooters, even if they're big men. Like Brooke Lopez, I know we the whole thing about the Bucks defense is take away the inside shot. And that's been like the bread and butter for our defense and why it's so good. Teams are now exploiting that. Can we make like a small adjustment and say, hey, if Vucevic is out there, let's stay out on him because he's the only guy that is lighting us up right now. Uh, mm-hmm. The guy hit five three-pointers against us. I, I I just think it's – And I – so I didn't know this, but um, I heard – well, I didn't know this because I don't pay attention to the magic. But he just made his first all-star team, right, this past year because he's been popping mm-hmm. off. And it's like – because to me, I didn't know that. And I was thinking, we got to make like an in-game adjustment. But I feel like if he's been playing this well, the whole game plan should have been we shouldn't let him get those shots and start getting hot. Yeah, I mean, the, the key – Yeah, it, it's, been, it's been known that like the key to beating the Bucks is you have to make a bunch of threes, similar to what the Rockets did in this bubble, similar to what the Magic did last – or yesterday. It, and the Mavs have done to us a couple times. Yep, the season. Raptors did it in the playoffs. It's – we're going to give open threes, and if they make it, that's going to beat us. And I think eventually we have to change that to let's maybe not make it such an obvious way to beat us, even if it does take, like, a big effort. If we hit a team that's hot, like, let's say the Magic just stay hot, that, that's, a, that's, that's not good for the Bucks if they're trying to win a title, to have that obvious of a flaw. Yep. So I – I'm with you that I, I still think that the East is winnable for us. Um, the Heat do scare me, and the Raptors just look so good. But yeah, I, I mean, think if, game two will really tell me if we're ready to take the East on. 
Yeah, exactly. And I think there's a big difference between like game two showing, okay, we can maybe get out of round one and having a game two or three showing, okay, I think we're ready to get to the finals. Because if we keep playing this way, I don't even see us getting out of round two, honestly. Like it's right. just, it just, we haven't looked great at all. So hopefully something changes. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. Um, so now turning to some teams that aren't slumping, let's talk about that, that eight spot in the West, because this was one of the biggest storylines of the bubble is who gets that eight spot, the play in game, just, there were four te- or five teams really competing between the Blazers, the Suns, Grizzlies, Pelicans, and Spurs. Um, and it came down to the last day, which was absolutely incredible. It was, I, I mean, it's like that week 17 for NFL playoffs, and you're looking at all these different scenarios that need to happen for your team to get in. And I just thought that, like, this is the type of stuff that the NBA needs because at that point, you don't care about the Lakers or the Bucks because they've locked up the one seed. So many spots are locked up, but having that play in game, I just thought it keeps and, all these guys like playing hard. It takes out that sort of tank mode that the Pelicans or the Spurs would have done had this yep. not been an option. And on top of that, like the that Blazer Nets game to end. I don't I can't remember if the Nets had locked up their position, but I think they I think they had. Like they couldn't mm-hmm. they were in eighth. And so it's like, well, but you can still play hard and try to knock the Blazers out of um, getting into this playing game, which just right. added, adds a little something. Yeah, no, I there was just so much, it, it, exactly what you said, just so much fire in that game. But let's talk about each of these teams. So first of all, the Spurs, I was just, I'll keep this one pretty quick, but I was just impressed with all these young guys coming out and playing. I think they went five and three in the bubble. And I just, 22 straight seasons of playoffs. This is the first time they've missed since Tim Duncan was drafted. That's absolutely incredible to me. Right. Yeah. I, and I, I think I'm going to be bringing up this theme a lot with each team we talk about, but to me, I think it's having a guy like Popovich who's done all that on your mm-hmm. team. I just feel like that teams with a veteran presence, either through coaching or their team kind of had a little bit of an edge in some of these games. Cause it, maybe just keeping a cool head or keeping calm. Like, Hey, it's just another game. Like trying to downplay the fact that they're in this weird bubble for a few games. <laughs> um, I, I like that too. It was good to see them doing well. Cause people were, I mean, there was a little bit there where mid season, it kind of seemed like they were going to be like a embarrassment of a yeah. team. And it was the first time where it was like, Oh my God, pop is going to be like one of the 10 worst teams in the league, but he's got that Belichick factor of he's just never going to be out of it. Yep. Exactly. Which also made it super fun to watch those games. Yeah. And, and I can say that I like them when they're, you know, down in the nine, 10, 11 seed and not dominating the league every yep. other year so. <laughs> for decades. <laughs> so it, it's like if the Patriots were to start going eight and eight and I'd be like, man, Belichick is just, he knows how to coach a team instead of absolutely hating the Patriots like I do right now. <laughs> so I'll, That's a good I'll, point. I'll call that out, but all right. Next one is the Pelicans. And I just want to, I want to get your thoughts on the Pelicans. Cause I, everyone got was a saying, lot of thoughts, you know, everyone was saying this whole play in game was just to get Zion into the playoffs, just to let him have a chance. And he was still on minutes restriction. The Pelicans lost a ton of their games. They just looked out of sync the whole time. Um, and now Alvin Gentry gets fired. What, what are your thoughts? I I found this super frustrating. I mean, I think it's kind of weird that the coach was fired because of it. I, that doesn't seem to me to be the issue. I do think the biggest thing is that all these are young guys. And I bet, I, well, obviously I'm guessing here, but I would think that, like, you're that young, your season ends during a pandemic, you're not thinking you're coming back anytime soon, at least for a while. So, like, it wouldn't surprise me if a lot of that team didn't, you know, wasn't shooting all the time. They did talk about how Ingram always is, but, you know, I don't know how true that was during these few months of nothing. Um, But the biggest thing to me was their schedule compared to each team that was fighting for that eighth spot was so easy, like just comparatively. Yep. They played the Kings twice, who really weren't playing for anything. I know technically, mathematically, they were in it. They weren't playing for anything. They played – the Magic, who were pretty much set in their spot, too. I mean, I think they were flip-flopping with the Nets, but that wasn't huge. 
Um, the Spurs did hit a hot streak, but I just think for a team that was so close to being in the play-in game, at least, and you have this re- comparative schedule where you're not playing the Rockets, you're not playing the Clippers, you're not playing the Mavs or the Heat like some of these other teams, and you have all these guys, I just can't – I don't know what went wrong. Um, it, it, it's frustrating. I don't know. I, I was excited yeah. to start but- watching them in the bubble, and every game was like, this looks bad. Yeah, and they they have like like Drew Holiday and JJ Redick are veteran leaders that have been to the playoffs and like know what it takes. And the fact that they and then the fact that Brandon Ingram was absolutely popping off this year and now Zion can play. I the part that blows my mind is those close games where they take Zion out at the end. He, I understand minutes restriction, but can you adjust those minutes so you have him at the end? That's yeah, exactly. Or, or if it's forty seconds left, can you just say, "Hey, we're gonna play him for forty extra seconds"? Like I, I understand if he gets hurt, it's a huge deal, but he could have gotten hurt playing at any other time. I, and, and that's never, so. Yeah. I've never understood like not now if it's like, "Hey, there's four minutes left." That's different than like hey, we get the ball back. Let's put in the best player on the court and at least make the defense think about him. I mm-hmm. I, I, was, I, don't think they gave Alvin Gentry much of a shot by giving those minutes restrictions on their best player. Exactly. And they kept talking about how that it wasn't like his decision to do those type of uh, restrictions. That was imposed on him. And it's kind of like, okay, so you're going to protect this guy. Why is it on him for you guys not making the eighth spot where mm. nothing was going to happen anyway? Yep. Like now, now to be fair, to be fair, like if you look at Alvin Gentry's record as a head coach compared to an assistant coach, I think he's been a head coach for like over 10 years and he's only had two winning seasons. So some of that could just be, he's been given really bad teams but I think part of that could be maybe they want to transition to a guy that has coached that like next level team. And maybe Alvin Gentry is now getting labeled as that guy that kind of like leads a younger team and lets those younger guys play out more minutes and stuff like that. And um, cause I, I would say if you're the GM of new Orleans, it's hey we need to like be a factor next year. So you want to coach oh, for sure. With, yeah. And you look at what the Grizzlies were doing. I mean, like, it's not impossible to be in contention for the A spot more than they were, right? especially with all that talent. So, and, yeah, I think you're right. I guess I'm just not – I'm not putting this year on the coach, right. really. I, but I, I think, think that it's like you've probably seen enough. You're probably like, you've been here a while. Regardless of the team you had, we know we're just not taking that next step. Yeah, and, you know, you have to think that the GM or owner has to see it in practice or something because I – Otherwise, I would have given him another year because everyone that talks about him says how great he is and how well-respected he is throughout the league. So that yeah. that did surprise me, but I guess they, they see something we don't and maybe they bring in like the – I'm trying to think of a coach that could – you know, everyone always talks about like uh, Tyron Lue or something like that where it's kind of a guy that's been there before. Mm-hmm. Uh I know I, I did hear someone talk about Jason Kidd, and I found that interesting because Lonzo Ball is kind of similar to Jason Kidd in like a tall yeah. point guard that can rebound and dish it out. I think that that would be interesting. Yeah, but, that'd be that'd be cool. Um, but and yeah. their and their de- their weakness was defense in a lot of these games. And I know when Kidd was with the Bucks, our like defense was kind of the emphasis. Yeah. Yep. No, I, th- I think that could be interesting. Um, I don't really know of any other coaching availabilities to say. I don't. E- yep. I don't either. So yeah, let's just agree. Jason Kidd. It's Jason Kidd. And I always hear Mark Jackson, but I don't think he's right for that role. I don't know why, but I just don't think he's right for it. I feel like there's a lot of other spots. Fair enough. Um, all right. Next one we got, let's go with the Suns. Um, so as I'm sure you already know, they went eight and zero in the bubble and barely missed that playing game. Um, I don't really have much on them other than I can't believe they just 
did that. <laughs> like no other team has gone eight and zero for their last eight games and not made the playoffs. So it's the first time we've seen a team that is pretty much out of it end the season on such a strong note. And I think it it shows like those couple months where there was no play is almost like an off season. And it looks like DeAndre Ayton, Devin Booker, Mikhail Bridges all were the guys that said, okay, I'm going to go from being a rookie first year, second year guy to being now an NBA vet. And man, and, they just, the, the vibe and, of that team was just insane. Insane. And that's what I'm talking about with the difference between the Pelicans and the Suns in terms of what happened during these few months off. Cause this team looked in sync. They looked like they were not the band, not the band. They looked like they were in sync. You know what I mean? Um, and it's like, I can, it wouldn't surprise me if we find out they were working together or at least like, I, yeah, that they were working together. I mean, it, they just, it was incredible. And Booker's putting up 35 points a game, just letting it rain, which I was looking through the like score leaders of the regular season. He was pretty much doing throughout the whole year. I mean, it wasn't always at 35. So something else had to change. Like he's always been this good, like great scorer. And so I think it was just the rest of those guys took a leap during these, these few months off. Um, and the other thing that I just wanted to note since I brought the schedule for the Pelicans, this team went eight and and they played the Mavs twice who were fighting for seeding and right. are, are a great team. Um, they beat the Thunder Pacers, Heat Clippers back to back. Well, they won all their games. So it's all back to back, but <laughs> that is a gauntlet. Yeah. It's insane. And like they faced the Clippers when Paul George was playing. It wasn't like they were sitting all their guys. It, yeah, so I don't know how you can look at that and then the Pelicans be like, oh, something like ha-. It's like, no, you guys played the Kings twice in the midst of these eight games and you couldn't win. I mean, yeah. I, I There's no excuse for the Pelicans playing as terribly as they did. And on the flip side, I have no idea how the Suns or really any team can go 8-0 with, against that schedule. That – that is impressive. Impressive. It, now, I, do you think – I've got an interesting theory here. Do you think for the Suns, being a young team, they weren't doing so hot. During this break and coming to a bubble, they were able, able to get their, like, team cam up just from hanging out all the time in this I, bubble? Yeah, I think – are you saying is that what contributed to the 8-0? Yeah, I mean, just some of the good vibes. Like, so just I'm, like, I'm going to reference uh, one of the Ringer podcasts that I was listening to because – their NBA podcast and the Bill Simmons podcast have been awesome to listen to about the bubble. But I think it was the um, the NBA show on the ringer. And they said one of the insiders was talking about how some of the other players around the league are saying that the Suns are so much better because they're in the bubble and they can't go out clubbing and be in Phoenix where all the attractive women are every night. That's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> That you is so like, sad, though. I, that's I bet that's the. I bet that's like what the Grizzlies are saying. Like, man, they're just they're just focused on basketball for the first time, and they're suddenly good. <laughs> yeah, they're like, imagine being that. I I don't know, man. That'd be really funny if that's it. But it's also like, because hey, it's their job and they can't pay attention to it. You're you're a young guy. You're 21 years old, living in Phoenix. There's a lot of. A lot of great downtown life in Phoenix. A lot of attractive women down in Arizona. Is there? I actually don't know. Is that? Are we just going with this? Are we just calling Phoenix the hub of? <laughs> I mean, I'm happy to hop on board. I don't know. There, there's. <laughs> it's hot, so there's more. I, I don't know. There, there's more attractive women in the South. Who knows? You could. Some could argue that. It's some. Some people could argue that. <laughs> well, um, listen, we're not we're not saying that. No, we're not saying. That. We're saying other people could argue that that's a thing. It it's a possibility. Well, that you're you saying argue. it. You're saying other people. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> so hey, maybe that's it. Maybe yeah. So team I like chemistry. I, yes, team chemistry went up during the bubble. <laughs> Big boost. Big boost to team chem. Yeah. Um, so I, it's a bummer that we didn't get to see the Suns versus Blazers in that playing game. That would have been awesome. Because, like, the two hottest teams in the league going against each other would have just been incredible. But instead, we still got a great game, though, in the Blazers versus the Grizzlies 
And so let's touch on the Grizzlies here. They went on, didn't have the best record in the bubble. Jaron Jackson goes down, which was just a complete bummer. Mm-hmm. Um, they put themselves in a great position, but the rest of their schedule was really tough. Uh, so everyone was kind of predicting that they would have some struggles to finish out the season. But I think just this whole experience was exactly what you want for John Morant. Like what yeah. better time to experience losing, like not that you ever want to lose, but what better time to experience like just missing the playoffs than in this weird season? Yeah, definitely. I think that's a pretty big learning experience. And honestly, I think there was – a little too much put on I know they could have won out and made it like a you know slam dunk there in eighth but I think people are kind of forgetting that before the shutdown there was definitely the trend was that they weren't doing well and that they were right. their grasp on that spot was falling and fa- like well everyone people- was saying that the schedule for the Grizzlies was going to get really tough and the schedule for the Pelicans was going to get really easy and exactly so that's that's what everyone was saying. I mean, no one was counting in the Suns or Blazers at that point. But um, And I looked back, and in the like, middle of February towards the end, the Grizzlies lost six games in a row, or five or six games. Yeah. And like, so there was a trend right before things shut down where it was like, I don't know if these guys have it in them. So I didn't find it as like big of a – Well, and know, go, like, going into the season, I mean, the Grizzlies were one of the worst teams the year before, before they got John Morant. Like, they're not supposed to be in the playoffs. Exactly. If you were to tell me at the beginning of the year, hey, the Grizzlies are going to make the playoffs, that I would not have believed you because I would have said they're too young. You know, John Morant's good but can't carry a team. So it's – I think this whole experience is probably just helping them. And they got a young team. They should be fun to watch in the next few years. Exactly. And that was the other thing I was going to say was these guys are all so young on this team compared Mm -hmm. to a Blazers team with – a number of veterans that are just yeah, on, I mean, on missions. You know what I mean? It's just kind of a different mindset. Not that Moran didn't want to win or make the playoffs, but like these other guys are like, we've done it before. We're here. We're just going to keep doing this. No, it's, there's definitely a different vibe with that Blazers team. Cause you look at, you know, going into this, I, I was excited to see either Zion or John Morant get some playoff experience and think like in the future, they can benefit from that. But as soon as like, the trends started going as they were. I was all in on let's see the Blazers face the Lakers in the first round. Oh, yeah. The second the Blazers were kind of picking up steam. As the, soon as Dame bubble. Lillard started going off, and I think this is where we have to start talking about the Blazers here. Yeah. As soon as Dame turned on Dame mode, it was just let I want to see them go against the Lakers because it's they're clearly better than the eighth team in the West. Um, I mean, yeah. looking at it right now, I don't know of a team or I don't know of anyone that's playing better than Damian Lillard, period. Like, you could say Luka, but I think Dame Lillard is the best player right now in the NBA from the past 10 games we've seen. Yeah, and I think the mindset's one of the biggest things. Like, he's he's not letting his team lose, and you can just, like, feel that with the way he takes his shots, what he's doing. Like, there is – and there's no point on the court where he looks, like, extremely flustered or out of sync with people. He is just locked in. Um, I mean, those last, what was it? The last four games, he gets 51 points, 61 points, 42, then 31 in the the 31, I think and, was that play in game, but. And, and the way he's getting these points, it's the most incredible thing I've seen since Steph Curry's, uh, I think that was his first or second MVP season where it was just anything he put up, you were like, okay, that's, that's going in. I, I don't care who's around him. I don't care where he is on the court. You start believing that every shot is going in. And, yeah. And did you see the stat that was I saw going around Twitter today of um, he's made, I think his percentage is twice as much as the league average for shots over 30 feet. Yeah. I mean, it, that's insane. It, it doesn't make sense. I mean, it's he's and it's it's so weird to see. I, I think the part that I always love is when you watch him or Steph Curry take over a game. It's someone that's not six foot nine playing against all these guys that are just not that Dame Lillard isn't tall and a freakish athlete because he absolutely is. No, I, I know what you mean. No. But the fact that a like smaller guy on the court can absolutely carry the entire game is just something that's amazing. And I think, you know, that it's like that Allen Iverson, but if Allen Iverson was shooting half court shots and making it. Yep. 
it's, I mean, it's awesome. And I'm always going to love a guy with this kind of killer mindset. Um, but since you brought up the size thing, kind of, we don't need to fully jump into the playoff thing yet, but what do you think about the matchup with the Lakers then? Cause they both have stars that play completely different positions. So what do you think of that matchup? Yeah. And I, I mean, at first I thought like, Oh, I mean, Anthony Davis and LeBron can just terrorize and looking at game one, LeBron did just absolutely take over that game and they just missed a bunch of threes. Um, but I also think they're like one of the biggest, I, if I'm the Lakers, the Blazers are probably top three team that I'm most scared of just because they don't have anyone to guard Dame or to guard CJ McCollum. That's exactly what I was going to say. And like the fact is like LeBron can score all he wants. He's not going to hit as many threes as those two guards. So if they're just going back like shot for shot, the Blazers are going to come out winning. Mm-hmm. And I know on some level, like I don't want to overreact to one game um, for these guys either. And they were, the Lakers were like three and 23 from three at one or three and 20 from three at one point. Mm-hmm. And so that's got to, you know, go back to the average a little bit at least to where it wouldn't look that bad. But what's crazy to me, and I'm wondering what you think about this, because, like, I know we watched LeBron on that Cavs team with, like, almost nobody, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't totally know what the difference is, but, like, I'm looking around this team, and it's just, like, I almost – I just find it, like, barren. Like, it's, like, it is you and Anthony Davis, and if you guys don't make every single one of your shots, you're going to be in a game that goes down to the wire. Like, it just doesn't seem like they're ever going to be crushing it. And I love Le- – like, you I, – I just, there's something about it that feels different. And I do think a lot of it is you look at two of these awesome guards and the way they play, how fast they are, the cutting, um, the way they like cutting, passing, shooting from everywhere, running around. They have literally nobody to be with them. Mm-hmm. And it's just like. No, I, I mean, the, the way you're saying it is you're completely saying what Charles Barkley has been saying this whole time of. LeBron can't have an off night. Anthony Davis can't have an off night. Like you'd look at the Blazers and Barkley, this is his whole motto of why he's picking the Blazers over the Lakers of like CJ McCollum can have an off night. Like Dame could technically have an off night if CJ and Melo and those guys are going off. Nurkic Mm -hmm. could have an an off off night night. for him at this point is like 26 points. Exactly. So it's the, Whereas the Lakers have, and we saw that with the trade that they made for Anthony Davis, they completely went, we're going to count on having two of the top five players in the league to carry us. And, and do and you re- think, I don't know if it's just this setup or, and again, you know, fast forward end of round one, maybe all this is meaningless. Something about what I'm watching right now feels super open. I know there's a few teams with obviously the studs on them, but there's something, maybe it is the break and then the bubble that feels like these teams that are just gelling together, like the heat, for example, it's like, those scare me a little bit more than I think they would in like a regular season. I no, I agree. There is just a different vibe and not having home court advantage. It's like, you can really see these teams that are gelling because it's that neutral court aspect of you can't go home and have that advantage. Now it's, yeah. if you're in a slump, you're going to stay in that. You can't like, there's not a switching things up um, as much. And I'm sure it's hard when you get in a little funk to get yourself motivated out of it without all your fans screaming, like cheering yeah. for you. No, and like just having that advantage of being on your court where you're used to what the basket looks like or having the other team have to adjust for behind the basket or just the little things like that. Um, I think that is playing a bigger role. But but no, I, I do think that I still think the Lakers get out of round one. I'm not going to say the Blazers take it, but I, I think this might go six. I can see the Blazers taking another game. Um, and and I, I mean, I so obviously if I'm not going to freak out about the Bucks after one game, I'm not going to suddenly say the Lakers are but, down. But, but I think that the Blazers are way better than the Magic in yes. terms of being yes. able to take games off of a one seed. So yeah, I, I honestly won't be like – major surprised if the Blazers pull it off because without Avery Bradley, without Rondo, they they just don't have the guys to throw at Dame Lillard. That like if not saying that Avery Bradley and Rondo would have been the like series deciders, but it's just having those bodies to either pick up fouls or just have a fresh guy for a couple minutes 
to just mm-hmm. try and slow him down. And with how um, three heavy the whole like league is, it's weird that they don't have a lot of guys who can train. Like I, uh, Danny Green had an off night, mm-hmm. but like that's just one guy. And I know AD can hit him. I know LeBron can hit him, but they can't just sit out there and just snipe all game. You know, yeah. that's a very different type of player. And it just feels weird. The setup of their team feels really weird to me. It, it does. I don't. I feel like they don't know when it's the right time to let Anthony Davis run the team. Because if you have LeBron, he's obviously top two player to ever play the game. It's very tough to then say like, hey, Anthony Davis might be the best player on this team right now. Let's let him kind of run some stuff. Now, I know LeBron is absolutely going crazy just posted an insane triple double and should have had 20 assists if those guys made shots. Yeah, seriously. He had so many passes. But but if you look at like Anthony Davis has a matchup advantage in this series against whoever he's not that LeBron doesn't, but he should be scoring at will. It it should, he should be getting easily 30 in any game up until he faces the bucks. I don't even know who stops Anthony Davis at this point. The Clippers don't have anyone to match up on him. The, Rockets definitely don't. I Yeah, I think it would honestly be – do the Raptors even have anybody? <laughs> Maybe Siakam. I don't know. But I, I just think Anthony Davis should be absolutely destroying any bubble game that he's in right now. Yep, I agree. All right, so let's – let's as we're talking about some of these matchups, uh, we've talked about Bucks, we've talked about Lakers-Blazers. What are – what are the best matchups or biggest storylines you have? Um, well, I'm going to pick two that I'm pretty sure from what we've said, you're not going to pick. Okay. <laughs> um, Denver, Utah, I find super interesting. And I don't find it that interesting because of any like long-term playoff implications. But like I was telling you, Denver jerseys are incredible. Love them absolutely love those jerseys and Um, i will say utah jerseys when they're on when they pick those retro ones oh that's true the retro ones are very cool i mean we have the possibility of two top five jersey teams going at each other here yeah there you go so that's (laughs) that's number one reason also these teams just seem like the closest to me Mm -hmm. compared to all these matchups i um Heat Pacers is another one where it's close, but this one's interesting to me because like I watched that first game and it was just each guy, each uh, like Jokic and um, Jamal Mitchell. No Mitchell. It was just like, they were like, they were just like, yeah, this is my team. Like, give me the ball. We're just going to make this stuff happen. And I know Murray popped off in the last five minutes too. I mean, that was awesome to watch, but the back and forth is cool to me. And I know today was one of those where Utah made so many threes and like the game was just over. I think they were up by 30 at one point, but I think this is one that could go seven. And that's why I'm excited about that matchup. Yeah, um, no, I, I would agree with that. Cause it's not like Utah is ever going to bow out of a series. Exactly. Like they, but I don't think you could say that about both teams. Right. I, I think both of them and neither of them have the guy that's like a top five player, but they both have just two or three guys that are incredible. And the thing I keep hearing, I want to know what you think about this, because it sounds kind of crazy at first. They keep comparing Porter Jr.'s shot to KD. And I thought it was kind of crazy. But then I guess if you think about it, like they're just saying shot, like he gets so high up, he's so big. And now I'm watching him drain three after three after three, and it looks so smooth, like a guy in his face. And so by no means am I saying he's like Kevin Durant. I mean, that's a whole new level for where this guy's at. He's not there. But the shot, if he can keep working on his game, like it's oh, he, just cool. Yeah, it's, I mean, we're we're looking at a consistent all star if he stays at this trajectory. Exactly. I, and what makes what blows my mind on that is the Nuggets got him at what the fourteenth pick in the draft. Yeah, I thought that was such a steal. I know, I know he was hurt, but that it, and and they get Bull Bull in the second round. Yeah, and he's been playing pretty well too. What, I I understand injuries are like they can completely ruin a guy's career, but the second round for bull bull, who are you getting with the, with the 31st pick that's better than bull bull yep. uh, or even the, the 25th pick. 
if you have the 25th pick, it's like, why not take Bull Bull, who has a chance of being amazing, instead of this guy that's going to be your third best point guard? I, I've never understood that. Like, just take, unless you're in the top 10, take the upside. That's why I was so happy when the Bucks got Thon Maker, because I was like, we may as well go for a guy that has the, like, yeah. his ceiling is so high. Now that it didn't play out as we hoped, but. I was still and happy with that. It rarely plant pays or like I right like like I pick like Giannis, the, like pick. pick Giannis because of his upside, and that pays off. Like if you hit one out of every five of those upside picks, unless if you're in like the top ten or top five, you pick the sure thing. I totally get that, but beyond that, it's such a crapshoot. Yeah, um, I think I guess we're at the end of this. We're probably just gonna be talking about all of them, which is totally fine, but. Rockets Thunder is another one. Um, with Westbrook out, I thought that first game was awesome. That Harden just – I know the whole team made a bunch of threes, but that Harden's just like, no, everybody thinks this is going to be an upset. I'm crushing this. I'm the man. Um, <laughs> and the fact that – because I watched some of the Rockets bubbles, bubble games, that they didn't give up on the small ball thing, and it seems to keep working is just ex- interesting to me. Yeah. What I'm going to be interested in – I'm going to be very interested to see how they start doing in a series where teams can now adjust and kind of get used to this small ball because before it's that aspect of, okay, now we're suddenly playing the Rockets. You get a day or two to prep for it. Now you have this whole time of like back-to-back games against them where it was sometimes I felt like, you know, that game against Milwaukee that I watched with the Rockets, it would be, they, they kind of want you to post up because it's really strange. They, they like give you that post up and teams just aren't taking it for some reason. And yeah. I, it is, it's, I, I feel like part of it is like they, for a little bit, like where Brooke popped off for like 10 straight and it was like, why don't yeah, we, do and then they just go away from it. Cause they think like, Oh, this isn't sustainable or something. I don't know what it is, but the Rockets have that like, Hey, we're going to play a little bit different and throw you off. So I'm interested to see if the, if the Thunder are a team that can then just kind of adjust to it. Because I think, you know, especially if Westbrook isn't playing, I I think the Thunder should win this matchup. I, I know it's very close, and Harden is easily the best player on that court. But I, well, and this comes down to the Thunder just, in my opinion, gel better than how the Rockets like play or look. Mm-hmm. And so I could see the Rockets, even though they popped off the other night, they could also have a night where they score like ninety and right. miss six hundred threes. While the Thunder are just going to be passing it six million times and just. Everybody's shooting different guys scoring points everywhere. They don't need one guy to shoulder the whole team, which is why I think that matchup is so exciting. It it really is. And the whole Harden and Chris Paul thing just plays into it even more. Yep. Exactly. And Russell Westbrook, if he were playing against the Thunder, it's that that's an ultimate matchup right there. Mm -hmm. So what about you? What are you looking for? Yeah. I mean, the Thunder Rockets one was really interesting. I know the first game didn't play out as interesting as some of the others. Um, I was interested to see if like the Sixers had a shot um, if Joel Embiid was about to start popping off, but that really hasn't come to fruition. And I think it's time that the Sixers need to just blow it up. It, like, I mean, I, I'm surprised they didn't get a new coach last year. Honestly. Right. And, and there's no way that he stays. I, and to me, it's, I think you got to split up Embiid and Simmons. You can get uh, – I just don't think that it's worked and you got to pick one guy and roll with it because the other guy, one of them always plays so much better when the other one isn't playing. So uh, I think they just have to make a team around one of those two guys and get a whole bunch in return for the other. Um, I agree. That's a very bold statement to make. And maybe as a fan or as a player involved or as a GM involved with the team, it might be a different feel, but just from an outside perspective, it hasn't worked. You clearly have the talent, and it hasn't gotten there. Maybe it's just you need a new coach, but I, I don't know. I don't know what the right answer is for the Sixers. Yeah, honestly, this is a matchup for me that I just don't really care about. I I don't really think the 76ers are very good. I think if Simmons was still playing, this would be a more exciting matchup. Uh-huh. I just think now I'm kind of like, I, you know. I was always scared of the Sixers, and then it, it's just even if Simmons was there – they just have never gelled that and in basketball chemistry is such a big thing. And 
you know, Horford didn't play out how he was supposed to. Going into the season, you looked at it and you're like, Embiid, Horford, Tobias Harris, Ben Simmons. Like that, that's a lineup that's scary. And an interesting thing, they were just so, right before we started this was halftime of the game two for them. And they were breaking down a play at halftime of, or just multiple plays, showing where Embiid was getting the ball. Because I haven't watched a lot of 76. high in the post. Yeah. And so it's like all these guys who will see him, pass it to him, and he's so far away from the basket. And it's just like, they, they were all saying, they're like, that's not the pass you make. Like, why are right. you setting him up? You're setting him up to fail by putting there. Because whose wheelhouse is that? It's not his. He's got to get closer to the basket. Yeah, um, I mean, he, he should be Shaq. He should be a dominant big man. And exactly. Like, there's no one on the Celtics that should be guarding him down low. So, yeah, I don't think they've figured that out. But uh, the other one, or storyline, I guess, that I'm really interested in is – if we're looking at like the NBA right now, just through the past few games, Luka Doncic has been on fire. Is is the future of the NBA Giannis and Luka? Yeah, like, I think I think so. I think that that's what, pretty. What, what do you think I, for over under MVPs for Luka? What what would you are you saying? Does he win one or two? Uh, I mean, I think for sure one. If that's yeah. the baseline of this question, I'm trying to think. I'll say two, dude. The guy. I so for the Giannis Luca thing, I love it because each matchup, even though the Bucks tend to lose, it's always exciting watching these two teams go at it. Mm-hmm. And there's something about Luca too that I've noticed with these last few were the mindset. I mean, the guy refused, like, just kind of ha- emits this th- feeling that it's like I refuse to quit or like I yep. refuse to let this like fall away. Um, so I'm on, I'm on his bandwagon. So I, that's what interests me about this Mavs Clippers matchup. And I know there were some weird calls going on. That whole Porzingis ejection, ejection was just garbage. Um, and you know, my friends down in Texas were even more upset than I was, but I, I think the Mavs are just one piece away and I have no idea what that one piece is to being just like a contender because Luca and Porzingis weirdly play really well together. I, I don't know. I if didn't I ex- think it was going to work that well. Yeah, I didn't either. And th- it seems like there are times where it doesn't like gel, but then when they're on together, man, they are scary. And mm-hmm. I, I don't know what that one extra piece is. Maybe it's like, maybe it's a wing guy or maybe it's, you know, a point, like a smaller point guard that can guard some of those better guys like Dame or, Westbrook or Harden because yeah, I, I think that's they, the one weakness of Luca. definitely and they pointed that a lot in the Clippers and it, you could see it with um I watched the first half of that game Paul George was using zero effort to blow past Luca and would be next to the basket and it's like this is gonna be a long night if that's <laughs> if that's how it goes yeah so it, it'll be interesting to see what they do. you know I'm interested to see if first of all can Luca make this a series and get that playoff experience. I mean, I think the Clippers are the best team in the league right now, so I don't expect him to pull off the upset, but just can he make it interesting? Can he have that kind of like playoff experience where he's popping off and then in future years, that's kind of the baseline for him. Um, it, it'll be interesting to see where he lines up with that. Definitely. So I guess biggest question now, after seeing the play-in games, after the first one or two games in the playoffs, who are you taking as your top picks for winning the NBA Finals? I know when we, we talked a few months ago uh, and we had Bucks and Lakers in the Finals, are you still sticking with that pick? No. Um, I think I'll go Clippers um, from the West. Dude, East, at this very moment, I mean, I still believe in the Bucks, and I think they can do it, but at this very moment, I'm picking the Raptors. Just because how scary they've looked? Yeah, and they just look like nobody – I mean, they're just handling teams the way they should, and it doesn't seem like it's difficult. So mm-hmm. that's what I'm switching my um, 
elite guess to, but I'm still cheering for the Bucks to do it. Right. Yeah. I. I mean, I'm. I. I think the Clippers are going to win it all. Um, just given how deep they are and how good their top two guys are, I. I still think the Bucks are the team to beat in the East. So I'm holding on to that. But like you said, I think Game Two really tells us if they're a legit contender or not. Um, mm-hmm. And it's so weird to think that a game against the Orlando Magic has so much kind of importance. But, but again, it's because of how bad we looked throughout the whole bubble. Right. It, it's And it's you can't just – we've seen it with LeBron teams where it, it takes a little bit before that flip is switched. Like it, he would always have to do it right before the playoffs start of really ramping it up. And it looks like the Bucks just never ramped it up yet. So – Yeah. Hopefully they use this series to ramp it up because they're going to need it if they face the Heat in round two. I totally agree. Um, I just got one one more thing since we didn't really we don't really have to say much about it too. But Pacer Heat game, I just got to give a shout out Duncan Robinson, my boy. Um, love him in two K, and loved him. Well, hated him because he played the Badgers all the time. But I thought he was great when he was on Michigan. So. Um, he it's, is, cool to see, it's cool to see him absolutely popping off, and I've been on the guy's bandwagon for a while, so I just want to throw that out there. I mean, that stat of 81% of his points come from three-pointers, that is awesome. Just mm-hmm. Very cool. <laughs> it's, it's so cool. The guy just does – I saw uh, – I think it was against the Pacers where he airballed, and everyone just kind of stopped for a second. Like, what, what just happened? I don't understand mm-hmm. it at all. Yep. I think I saw that. And did the announcer go, come on, even Steph misses some shots or air balls. It's not, it's going to happen. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how he progresses with his game to see, does he become like just the Kyle Korver that only shoots from three or like, it, it does seem like, I mean, Jimmy Butler loves him, which is so cool. I, I love how Jimmy Butler has just become like the anti-hero of the NBA. It, mm-hmm. It's just – it's really fun to see him just hate everyone and just absolutely love Miami because he's hated everywhere else that he's been at. So Yeah, it's pretty cool. <laughs> um, all right. I think that's going to wrap up everything that we have so far. Um, I absolutely needed to talk basketball with someone. So I <laughs> – This has been awesome. I mean, yeah. the fact that we have uh, real-time sports to talk about instead of stuff. Right, like instead just, of hypotheticals and making lists of random stuff that just to fill the yeah, time. We, we pretty much haven't had this since the draft. Yeah. The NFL yeah. draft. And, and yeah, there's, I mean, more playoffs to come. It's going to be going to be awesome. All right, so I'm going to go through my uh, venti minute, and then I think we can call it here. So once again, minute where I get to talk through anything I want. Um, we're going to start in three, two, one. All right, Pat, I know I texted you about this, but uh, I'm going to switch over to baseball for a second and just share my love for the 21-year-old Fernando Tatis Jr. Uh, because that guy is blowing up the league. Yes, he's on one of my fantasy baseball teams, so has a little extra love. Um, and the fact that he hits a grand slam on a 3-0 count and everyone gets pissed, that makes zero sense to me. The dude has to hit a home run. Don't pitch a bad pitch if you don't want it to be a home run. Also, the fact that they're saying like it was rubbing it in when you're up seven, seven's still a number where you can come back from. I think some of these old farts in baseball need to move on and let the game become fun so more people watch it. And I absolutely love the fact that the next game he steals third when up by six. And then today he goes up to the plate and his theme music was cry me a river by Justin Timberlake. Love it. And that's a minute. That's awesome. I didn't know the walk up song thing. That's awesome. <laughs> love the guy. He's, he's the future of baseball. All righty. Well, thank you everyone for tuning in all six of you. Um, we love you. We love you guys. <laughs> really do. Uh, like and subscribe. Uh, click here to like. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> but we'll, we'll keep you guys updated with more basketball as we go. And uh, we'll see how football looks. But I'm Austin Battaglia with Patrick Franken. We'll see you next time on Coffee Table.